Hey, good morning, church family. So good to see y'all. Love you here in person. Some people who uh, are in the room right now who haven't been in this room in a number of years. Many of you online with us today, maybe for the first time. Uh, maybe this is how you experience us uh, almost every Sunday. I'm grateful for all of you in this space today. I know online right now we have people from multiple continents and multiple states. I know we have some members of this church who are out sick today who are worshiping with us. I received a message from a woman who lives in Texas last week and her husband is incarcerated and what she does on some Sunday mornings is they pull up our worship service and she puts it on speakerphone with her husband who is in prison and they worship with us for encouragement and edification. So I'm grateful just for the many avenues of connection that are available. Uh, last night was a wonderful night of worship. Thank you for those of you who are here. It was powerful, memorable. Um, I'm excited about today. Hey, Kip, I'm going to totally put you on the spot. I need you to get your microphone and come join me just for a moment. You didn't know I was going to do this. You're going to probably call me later today, and you're going to be like, dude, don't do that to me, all right? <clears throat> While Kip's making his way up, I just want to point out a, a few people. We do not have children's worship today for three through five-year-olds. Where are my three through five-year-olds who usually go to children's worship? Where are you at? Just a show of hands. Where are you? Hey, we just want you to know, I see some of your hands up. We are so glad you are in this room with us today. And for the parents of those kids, I have cut this sermon down to 65 minutes, all right? So this <laughs> is going to be amazing, all right? We're going to enjoy this time together. Amen. Silence, please. Hey, and, and we try to do this throughout the year, but especially this time of year, we can't do what we do without a tech crew. And it takes at least three people to pull off everything we need on a Sunday, from slides to sound to live stream. We need at least three of them. But this time of year, they're also showing up to all the rehearsals we do, the rehearsals with the band, the rehearsals with the choir last night, uh, and all of that. So can we just put our hands together and thank God for all the folks who spend the time up there. When Jesus was born, and this morning we're going to be in Luke chapter 2. And Kip, I'm going to get to you here in just a moment, all right? When Jesus was born, a worship service broke out. So today we're going to look in Luke, Luke chapter 2 when the shepherds, uh, they're out in the field. An angel comes to visit them. And then it says around them were the heavenly hosts and they were praising God. It doesn't say they were above. It says they were among. It doesn't say the angel was hovering over them. It says the angel was right there in front of them. So this worship service, it's like heaven and earth meet in this moment. This worship service happens right there around the shepherds. It, there's like this worshipful witness. So I couldn't help but just think about memorable worship experiences in my own life. Those moments when you can sense the presence of God. You can probably think of those yourself. My grandfather, my mom's dad, could not sing at all. I mean, the worst singer you've probably ever heard in your life. Tone deaf, couldn't carry a tune, but was in church his entire life. Served as an elder in multiple churches, not at the same time, but wherever he lived, he would often end up becoming an elder. But Kip, there was one song that when he sung it, he would sing it as loud as he could. It was awful, but it, he would sing it loud. It was the song, How Great Thou Art. So of course, at his funeral, we sung that in honor of my grandfather, but even more than that, of our Heavenly Father. So Kip, can, can you do this? Can we... Do the first, can you do it without seeing anything, how great thou art? Can we at least just, because when I, when I envision these people, these heavenly hosts surrounding the shepherds, there is this song of awe and adoration that breaks out. And church, I think most of you can join in on this as well. So let's do this. Oh Lord my God, when I am 
Bethlehem today, there are no Christmas parties, festivities because of the war and the violence. But there's a manual church that's in Bethlehem. And even though this year they didn't light their Christmas lights or hang up all their Christmas stuff, they have not given up on the gospel. And there's a story of their youth minister this past week who was meeting with 50 of their youth kids. But instead of doing all their Christmas things, what they did is they went in the church closet and they found a banner that they've used in the past. It's a banner of a woman who is fleeing a bombshelled building. So you can probably see the image. You've probably seen these on, over social media, maybe the last uh, few months. But she's fleeing a bombshelled building and the banner reads, Let us arise and worship God. And there's something about that that just captures me, that no matter what storm is raging around us, let us arise and worship God. No matter what depression or anxiety may look like in your life, let's arise and worship God. No matter what we may be going through in the year 2023, let us arise and let us worship God. So if you have your Bibles open, nothing's on the screen today, but if you have your Bibles open to Luke chapter 2, we're in a series right now, just four-part series. It's called When Heaven Speaks. We've looked at four different times in the birth narrative of Jesus when heaven, when a voice of an angel has spoken to people. So a few weeks ago, we talked about when an angel spoke to Joseph. Uh, last week, we talked about how an angel spoke to... Um, to uh, the first week was Joseph. We've talked about Mary. We talked about Zechariah. And today, I want to talk about the voices of heaven that come to the shepherds. And I want you to listen to the content of what they have to say. And it begins in verse 8. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in, uh, wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. And when the angels had left them and gone into the heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and let's see this thing. Let's go and see what these angels, what they've said. What I've tried to teach over the last few weeks is there's this flow of God. When, when the voices of heaven come to people, a few things happen. The voice speaks into their fear. The voice says, do not be afraid. Three of the four times the voice calls them by name because we serve a relational, personal God. Every time a voice makes statements about Jesus, 
about who he is, about his arrival, about what he was going to be about. And in every situation, when the voice comes to people, there is an assignment, there is a mission, there is something for them to do. So the shepherds are told, hey, here's what has happened to Jesus, and here's what you need to do. You need to go be a witness to them. Eight different times in the Bible, you have Jesus say, let those who have ears to hear, let them hear. So if you have a desire to hear from God, and I'm not trying to be overly sensational. This isn't me saying, like, if you don't hear an audible voice from God, you haven't reached a level of spiritual maturity. I'm talking about hearing from God in any way God may try to speak today, through the Bible, through people, through circumstances, through nudges. If you have a desire to hear from God, just know at some point God's going to give you an assignment and something to do. But I can't help but think in all these situations, like, why the shepherds? Like, it makes sense that a voice of heaven would come and speak to Zechariah, who would become the father of John the Baptist, who would help prepare the way for Jesus. It makes sense that a voice of heaven would come and speak to Joseph, who would help raise Jesus to be the man he became. It, would, it makes sense that God would come and speak to Mary, who would carry Jesus in her womb. It makes sense, but why the shepherds? Because in Matthew's version, it's the magi. It's the wise men. In Luke's version, it's shepherds. Now, this is in Bethlehem. So there are some people who make the argument that, uh, and we do know this, that many of the sheep that were sacrificed in the temple in Jerusalem, they were raised in Bethlehem. So you had shepherds who would raise sheep in Bethlehem and then they would take them to Jerusalem for festivals where they would be sold and then sacrificed for sins of people. So we know that, which is interesting that Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem. He would become the land that was slain. Now we aren't told this in the Bible, that, that these shepherds were shepherds who were raising those sheep. So we don't know, but we do know that shepherds in the first century culture, like this wasn't a well-respected occupation, vocation. So these are people living in the fields with their sheep and the voice of God comes to them. And if you read the gospel of Luke, Luke is the gospel for the underdog. The gospel is for people who you may never believe their witness. The gospel raises up witnesses across socioeconomic lines. And what we learn from something so simple like the voice of God coming to shepherds out in the field is that no, there is nobody that God won't reach and nobody that God will not use. But I do want you to think about this. These shepherds are living in fields. Because this is what shepherds did. They lived with their sheep. They hardly ever left their sheep. They had to tend to them, nurture them, get them to water. They had to protect them from all kind of wolves or things that may try to get them. And they receive a message from God and then they go straight to Joseph and Mary. So if you don't think it's already loud and noisy and stinky about what Joseph and Mary had experienced in a manger with all these animals, now they have shepherds who, who knows the last time they showered, who had been living with sheep who now show up to be a witness of God. The voice they heard from heaven said that this baby that has been born in Bethlehem is gonna, be a, is gonna bring great joy to all people, right? Not just to Jews, to all people. But the part of this story that keeps tugging at my heart is how this worship scene breaks out. You would think that an angel would have been all that was needed to inspire the shepherds to go to Bethlehem. It was just an angel who visited Joseph, just an angel who visited Zechariah, one angel who visited Mary, and now it's an angel, but then it's also the host of heaven, like surrounding these shepherds, like this voice of praise, this worshipful witness, letting those shepherds know that heaven is rejoicing in what is happening right now. 
I want you to think about what worshipful witness looks like in your own life. I do not believe that you come into a worship space and that you have to lift hands and close eyes and get on your knees and for you to have a worshipful presence. I do believe that when all is said and done and Jesus comes back that we will all be clapping and raising our hands and celebrating and, and dancing with the Lord. But I don't believe that you have to show yourself in those kind of ways. But there should be something about you in a space of worship that lets other people know around you that you, you believe in Jesus, that you are leaning into Jesus. And I applaud some churches today who are challenging their churches to become device-free worship experiences so that kids can see parents who stay away from their phones and somehow model a life of somebody who's leaning into Jesus at least just a little bit. Like there's a worshipful witness you have in a space, not just next to the people you know, but the people in the space that you may not know that lets them know that you believe in Jesus and that you are leaning into Jesus. And in this story, the shepherds have this worshipful witness. The hosts of heaven who surround them to let them know all of this has happened. All of this is true. A movement of God is happening right now. And we're a part of it. One of my favorite devotional writers, he died decades before me, all right? But it's Tozer. And Tozer says... He who sings prays twice. And what he's talking about is that in worship, when we are singing and our, our posture, whatever it may be, when we are worshiping, it's like we are praying twice. It's like we're worshiping with our voices and our minds and our hearts and our bodies. It's all being given to God. I remember my sister's, uh, her memorial service back in 2010. Some of you traveled all the way to the Dallas-Fort Worth area to be there with my family. And just kind of in the moment, I, was, I felt this prompt from God as I was preaching this funeral for my sister to invite everybody to get down on a knee in the room. Right, some of you may remember this, all right? So a thousand something people in the space and almost everybody, we got down on a knee and my prayer was that God would open our eyes in that moment to know that even though we don't agree with death and we don't like death, we are not gonna let death keep us from pressing into Christ. And what I also prayed in that moment was, even though we often pray that God would keep Satan out of all of our worship experiences and out of our lives, I prayed in that moment that God would give the enemy a peek of what was happening in the room so that the enemy would know that even though he thinks there are moments when death wins, not when we bow a knee to Jesus, that even in moments of death, Jesus wins you have a worshipful witness in your life. Uh, <clears throat> today in Bethlehem, this same youth minister I told you about earlier took these 50 kids and he challenged them this year. He said, you are not getting gifts this year. Instead, I want to encourage you to give gifts. I want you to get creative. And for every dollar you come up with, of a gift you want to give someone else, the church is going to match you dollar for dollar. So he's challenging these kids in a war-torn place right now to get creative with the Lord and that every gift they gave, that they were going to go and they were going to speak the gospel. Raising up these teenagers in a place surrounded by some violence right now, raising them up to believe that they have a witness in the world. So today, just like the shepherds, who worship and experience God, and their response was, let us go. 
Let's go see this thing. That's what they said. Let us go. Let's go see this thing. I want to encourage us to leave this place today and go look for Jesus. Jesus has been born. He is alive in this world. Go look for him. Look for him at your dinner tables. Look for him in your house. Look for him in your neighborhoods. Look for him in your jobs. Look for him in the grocery store. Look for him on the interstate when you're driving. Look for him. He's not hiding from you. He's easy to find. I often pray that the church in our worship place, like what we're in right now, that this is not just where people come to meet with God. It's where we learn to meet God everywhere else. And I believe it. I want to preach like that. And I believe every week a tangible expression that we have of our connection to Christ. If you are finding Jesus hard to find in your own life and in the world, every Sunday in this church and churches around the world, we take the bread and the cup or we touch what reminds us of Jesus. We digest and take in Jesus. We see the bread and the cup. We see Jesus. And we move from the table to go take Jesus and look for Jesus everywhere we go. So this Christmas as we take the bread and the cup this morning. May we remember all Jesus has done. And as you take the bread and the cup today, just like the shepherds in Luke chapter 2, let it open your eyes. Go look for Jesus. He's not hard to find. Look for Christ. Speak words of Christ. Be the light in the world. This morning we have uh, people who will surround this room for prayer, two shepherds. We have two female leaders who are here to receive you there's anything we can do for you in this season or this day, we are here for you. Will you bow your heads, close your eyes? And God, as we come to the table and we enter into this time of prayer and reflection, will you have your way with us? And Jesus, thank you so much. God, thank you for your plan of coming into this world in human flesh, of meeting us where we are. And God, for the love, joy, and peace it was experienced in that on that day, 2,000 years ago, may the same love, joy, and peace spread in our hearts and in this city and this world today. We pray this all through Christ. And the church said, Amen.